As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's next for the U.S. women's national team? After two routes of Uzbekistan and a pair of friendlies, World Cup qualifying is fast approaching. Meg Linehan and Steph Young discussed the biggest question remaining for the team ahead of those games. From The Athletic, I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, April 14th. Today's show is a clip from Meg Linehan's show, Full Time. You can listen to that wherever you're listening to this or any podcast. But first, as usual, it's your TV guide for today. All times are Eastern, and it's a big day in the UEFA Europa League. Hopefully, we get some good games here, similar to what we've had earlier this week in the Champions League. And I think we will. All of these series are tied or pretty close, at the very least. At 12.45, Atalanta hosting RB Leipzig, two exciting teams. That aggregate is at 1-1. It'll be on Paramount Plus and Tudene. At 3 p.m., three kickoffs. Barcelona hosting Eintracht Frankfurt on Paramount Plus and Tudene. That series is at 1-1. And then also at 3, Olympique Lyon hosting West Ham United. That is on Paramount Plus and Galavision. That series also at 1-1. The only series right now, the only quarterfinal that has where that one team has a lead is... Rangers versus Sporting Braga. Braga. Braga is up 1-0 in that one. That is at 3 p.m. on Paramount Plus and Tudene. We also have Copa Libertadores games tonight at 6 p.m. Atletico Paranaense hosting the strongest. 8 p.m. Velez Sarsfield hosting RB Bragantino. And at 10 p.m. Emelec versus Deportivo Táchira. All those games are on BN Sports. Also a Liga Mekis game at 10 p.m. Atlas taking on Mazatlán on Tudene. And a game in the NWSL Challenge Cup as well at 10 p.m. OL Reign taking on San Diego Wave on Paramount+. Plus. There is also Asian Champions League happening at 1.15 and 4.15 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. With that, let's send it over to Meg and Steph talking about what remains to be done for the U.S. women's national team. All right, so we've got the two friendlies coming up in June tail end of the month. I want to say the window is June 20th to the 28th since I just looked at it earlier this morning. And then we've got CONCACAF qualifying running through the month of July. What is your main remaining question 
for the U.S. Women's National Team before we get into qualifying. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I just broke your brain. <laughs> I don't know. I think all the questions that I have are only going to be answered by seeing them play. Like, yeah, like a Mexico or even a Canada who, yes, some the outcomes for a while statistically have been in favor of the United States, but they're still defensively can be very hard to break down. They defended their way to a gold medal in, in combination with, you know, a bit of luck. But yeah, they defended Some their way to kicks. a gold medal. So if you want to test ways to break down a tough defensive team that also is not just defending by sitting in a low block, I think that's a good test. Canada also has one of the best D-mids in the game in Quinn. So that would be a really good midfield test, actually. So I don't know if I can give you the questions because the questions need other questions in order to become questions. Does that make sense? It does. I think my number one question is, who's the starting goalkeeper for this team right now? Alison Ayer. I just don't think it's that big a question. I really don't. I think there's a huge... Maybe it's just my like personal thing of, <laughs> I would like that to be the question because I right. think that it should be a question. I, th- I think there's a huge um, goalkeeping pool right behind her. It's the biggest the pool has ever been. Like, with her 80 French, by the way, like, when is she going to come back and, and start yeah. you know, making some inroads here? Um, this is also personal bias. Would love to see Abby Smith kind of get the same run out that Bella Bixby has gotten. Like, obviously, Bixby did not dress for either game. But clearly, she's being called into camp so that they can be like, you know, show Let's us what's going look. on. Yep. Yep. Let's see what you're doing with Nadine out there in Portland. So I'd love to see that from Abby Smith as well, who I think has a great, you know, set, like base set of skills and is also working with Nadine Unger. Obviously, there's Kingsbury, Casey Murphy. Casey Murphy, right. Which I think was because that was my big question of like, where is Casey Murphy on this roster? And then she had been on the injury report for the courage. So I think it might have just been a factor in terms of timing of when the roster was announced. But I think Casey Murphy based on some of the performances that we've seen from her at the national team level, has a pretty good shot at at least assuming the number two. Right. right at Even the if Casey Murphy hadn't been on an injury port and she wasn't called in, you're also kind of hamstrung. Sorry. Sorry. That's, that's a rough word. Sorry. Um, by only having three spots, maybe mm-hmm. four, for like a developmental spot for, for the camp. So, you know... Defenders, you can call them five or six. Same with the mids and forwards. But the poor goalkeepers. Yeah, it's true. I mean, what is interesting is maybe maybe this is finally at a point where, you know, USA Hockey does a thing where they have a whole goaltenders camp, right? Where they bring in like a pool of 10 and get to work with them just on goal. Like there's maybe potential here for, for US soccer to start thinking about like we actually have a pretty decent pool where are folks at, like, bring in the youth, you know, the U20, U17 at the same time, get them all in a room together, say this is what we're looking for from the position, you know, here, let's work on, you know, playing out of the back and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is, I think, the first time where the U.S. Women's National Team would actually have enough players to even do it. I'm so interested in what U.S. soccer's goalkeeping coach philosophy is versus, for example, like an Anger. Anger has said many times she does not coach like a lot of other coaches, particularly American <laughs> goalkeeping coaches. And then when you talk to people like Bella Bixby and Abby Smith, they're like, yeah, it's very different with Nadine. The techniques and strategies and things that we talk about are, are very different from what we've been used to. 
So on the flip side, yeah, I do wonder if for like Bixby being the primary example, just because she was called in, like, how do you merge styles or, or as an athlete, how do you adapt if, you know, one is asking you for one thing and your yeah. club's asking you for another, especially given for Bixby being kind of farther down the ladder, I would assume club is probably her higher priority right now. Which is not a bad thing. No, right? No, no, no. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I do like I want to maybe end on this one final note, because I think that there is maybe the bigger philosophical question around the U.S. Women's National Team of, you know, for so long, this has been kind of this core <laughs> to a team. Right. And I think the new CBA is also maybe going to impact this a little bit. But does it make more sense to maybe think about the same approach that the men's national team uses where you are calling in players inform it i don't think we have enough international players to do it quite the same way of like oh we're we're calling in like mls players versus international players but in terms of you know if the nwsl really is playing this role that i think we are already seeing it play can you maybe use these camps now in a slightly different fashion of we're gonna start playing with some of these combinations a little bit more and the only thing that gives me pause there is I think in the Olympics, we saw, I don't know if it was tension or if it was just like, this is the first time that this approach has really been used, but like the way that a starting 11 might change to suit an opponent, which I don't think is a bad thing in concept, but in execution, it did not work. Hopefully one day we'll get the full story of what went on there. I mean, I, not to rehash old ground, but yes, but something I, I was think going like, on there beyond you know, the tactical. I still, I still think about what did we really learn from the Olympics, right? And like, because that was the defining question after the Olympics was like, what is this team going to take away from this? Because we're, we're probably never really going to find out what the team is actually taking away from it in terms of not just watching video, right? But like why some of this stuff didn't work, was it? overthinking on Vlako Andonovsky's part? Was it the fact that players weren't used to this kind of approach of, like, they just expected to play, and so that uncertainty felt kind of unmooring, right? Can you actually shift this team, though, into um, that kind of concept of, we're going to use certain players against certain teams, or we're going to use certain, you know, strategies against other teams, and, like, you might be in one, but not in the other? And... That's like a real mindset change for the national team on the women's side. 
It happens every time, though. It's I don't think it's new. Like, think back to around 2004-ish when there was the big turnover from the 99ers. And this this current core group, the Kelly O'Harris and Megan Rapinos, we had Abby Wambach at that time. Those were the young guns. That was another kind of cultural turnover. Um, and so the, the team has gone through it before. They'll go through it again. They'll keep on trucking. They'll, they'll keep winning games. They might look different, but, you know, how soon we forget our history, <laughs> you know? The but I think it's who- like, it's bigger than just like a roster turnover, right? Or like the youth coming in, because I think that is very much a part of this team. And 2004 was really one of the bigger moments, I think, after 2015, too, was kind of a smaller version of that. And I definitely think you know, there was that tension for a really long time of you have this whole generation trying to make the World Cup Olympics combo and a whole generation being like, we're not waiting for you to get your, <laughs> like, please exit stage left. Thank you. Um, but there is kind of maybe the bigger the bigger question of does the approach change in terms of how you approach every roster, right? Like that there might be less of a core, yeah, I so to your point, that World Cup Olympic cycle, to a certain extent, does kind of artificially create, you know, the people staying too long or people having to come in too early in t- terms of timing. But I think the overall goal would probably be, yes, let's create a pipeline and a method of evaluating players so that we don't have to have this kind of generational turnover. Like, it's just gradual all the time. And so going into a tournament, we're not having to have this existential, oh, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Megan Rapino, like what's going to happen, you know? And to a certain extent, I think they are kind of addressing that where I'm not super worried, even if they don't play. I'll be kind of bummed because some of them are my favorite players, but I'll be like, you know, in the med- like the overall sense of things, we're probably going to be fine. If you want more discussions like that about the NWSL, U.S. Women's National Team, and women's soccer in general, you can subscribe to Full Time with Mego in a Hand wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.